The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. He's controversial. 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. He's outspoken. You will tell your kids and your grandkids and your great, great grandkids. And he tells it like it is. That you watched a great athlete named the franchise. And he was the greatest world heavyweight champion of all time. He is the franchise Shane Douglas. And you are listening to the Triple Threat Podcast. Prepare to get your ass franchised. Triple Threat Podcast being brought to you today for its 92nd episode here on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only JP John Paz, and sitting ever so pretty out there in glorious Pittsburgh, PA, the Black and Gold Express, the one and only franchise shane douglas shane welcome in here for episode number 92 well hold on if you're gonna introduce me about being from pittsburgh you gotta say it right from the center of the goddamn sports universe pittsburgh by god pennsylvania <laughs> say it right if you're gonna say it. you can't just throw a pittsburgh pa in there like a like an addendum or a footnote it is the center of the goddamn sports universe <laughs> even with even with Tomlin. <laughs> well, hey, you know, I met one of my neighbors tonight that said he was from Pittsburgh, and I got to be honest with you, I think my intro was good. This guy's personality wasn't uh, wasn't wasn't evident of those from the Pittsburgh area, so I'm gonna stick to where I was this uh, with this intro. He wasn't a Yinzer. <laughs> well, he wasn't a sports fan, Shane. How do you, how are you in Pittsburgh and not a sports fan? You, you can't be. You got to check this guy's. He, he's a he's a. He's a worker. He's working this. He's a, 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 a fake. Ask him how many times he's been to Palumbo Brothers for a sandwich. Just just say it to him that way, Palumbo. And when he says, oh, I've been to Palumbo Brothers a thousand times, you can say, fake, gimmick, angle, <laughs> worker, because there's no such place as Palumbo Brothers. <laughs> well, I said, have you ever heard of the uh, the greatest ECW champion of all time from the great state of Pennsylvania, the one and only Raven? And then he was like, no, Raven's from Georgia. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, if he says Raven, then you know the guy does no way he's from Pittsburgh. Uh, no, so just it, when, when he says, when he, said, when he agrees to the Palumbo Brothers thing, just ask him, say, man, I really love the way they put potato salad on the sandwich. And then, and then you'll know for damn sure the guy's a fake. About as <laughs> phony as, uh, 
a certain Irish guy I know, but or a three dollar bill, we'll say. We'll, we'll leave the Irish guy out of it from Connecticut. We'll just say Tony's a three dollar bill. <laughs> All right, well, we'll stick with that. Well, uh, th- that sounds good to me. But hey, how you doing this week, Shane? What's going on in the uh, in the world of the franchise? Oh, gee, well, was a little uh, a side note of wanting to beat up an, oct- an octogenarian tonight, but it's. <laughs> Uh, the travails of, of, of uh, you know of living in a gentrified uh, area. Uh, it's uh, more than we'll get into here on the air, but just suffice it to say that uh, a task that should have been uh, completed in like an hour, hour and a half, uh, which was originally begun or attempted to be done to be begun at 4 p.m. ish. I just finished up with about 15 minutes ago because of my octogenarian friends. So, <laughs> yeah. Hey, John, Shane didn't tell us he ran into Vince tonight. What's he doing? I thought he was referring uh, referring to you, but I was going to say you never lived in Connecticut. <laughs> Worked there a few times. You never lived it. You lived there as far as I knew. I'm Scottish, not Irish. That's oh, why. that's right. That's right. Whoops. That's right. <laughs> Scottish. Wait, it's Scottish? I don't know. How the hell is that? I've read about those people in history books. There's really Scottish people. There's well, it's Scottish and Italian, so it depends well, on which go. side you know, which side I want to bring out. But uh, <laughs> hey, come on, I got one big Scotsman on my side from the wrestling world, so I'll uh, I'll take that. I'll put on that kilt <laughs> any day of the week as long as I can come out to those bagpipes. Who is it? <laughs> well, oh my wow. God. <laughs> I think you got to go watch a couple more uh, Daniel Bryan matches before you ask that question. Oh. <laughs> you know, I was talking to somebody the other day about Piper, and I said, you know, I mean, it's it, obviously we still, you know, about Roddy Piper. We were talking about Piper the other day, and we said, you know, the thing about Piper, as sad as it is that he's passed away, there's that little bit that makes you think he's going to come back at some point and he's going to tell you how he, he yeah, battled right? the, he, he went upstairs and they sent him downstairs and he battled the devil and now he's back, but he's only back for oh, one. No. Here, ready? Shane? He's only back for one reason. And Hogan, if you thought I was gone, <laughs> God, how I wish, what a great, that would be a perfectly typical, uh, Roddy, Roddy Piper angle too. That that's the very apropos. <laughs> you know, at the end, he just come back just to get Hulk Hogan one more time. Yeah, well, and and to do pro wrestlers versus zombies too. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> the sequel that we're all waiting for, um, and you actually, and the rumor is you could possibly be having it at the next SmackDown taping because there's a lot of space that you guys can have to run around and film different scenes, <laughs> and you're going to be a whole different uh, environment for the uh, the filming of the movie. And we could always use the SmackDown crowd to be the zombies. <laughs> you, don't need, you don't need a couple hundred. So, I mean, that, that would be the – and we'll get into that just a little bit later. But, hey, you know, honestly, you know, it's like about, about Roddy, just a little, you know, ribbit, of, ribbit on a square to an extent. But, uh, uh, you know, we, we talk about these guys. And, you know, how many times have you heard me say the phrase, you know, no one's irreplaceable. Uh, but I, you know, I, 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 as we go into this show deeper and deeper, I see some of the things that I've said in the past to Ronnie's because Roddy Roddy Piper truly was and is irreplaceable. I, I don't know anybody that has the wit 
the the mic skills, uh, the personality that that can pull it off today. Uh, you know, I, I was in awe of him, working with him, watching him work, learning from him, and you know, to, today as we see the business today and the, and the epic decline in ratings and 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 like I said, we'll get into that in a few minutes. You can see where the the absence of guys like Rowdy Roddy Piper are having an incredible negative impact on the industry. Um, they're they're just ain't another of, of them, you know. And uh, you know, for the, any any of the kids out there listening, don't try to mimic somebody like a Rowdy Roddy Piper. Try to create the next compelling character like a Rowdy Roddy Piper because there's money all over that. And, you know, I, I don't want to belabor that point, but I mean, that it's just, you know, I've had enough vanilla, you know, I'm, I, I like vanilla. I love vanilla, but I've had enough of it and I'm ready for some, some, uh, pistachio, if you will, with, with like a Roddy Roddy Piper, I, you know, just an incredible talent that, uh, you know, gone too soon. Uh, I, I am so proud of the fact that I, I got the opportunity to work with him as closely as we do on pro wrestling versus zombies as silly a movie as it is, uh, because it took me right back to being a kid again in the business. You know, when I was, you know, the first time I walked into that WWF dressing room and you see Roddy Piper and Macho Man and Hulk Hogan and, uh, King Kong Bundy and all these incredible talents that you grew up watching, you know, float around and then getting to work with them and had the pleasure uh, and the honor of just sitting and watching them work, you know, and learning from that. Uh, for the kids out there listening, try to be more in that vein instead of trying to do more backflips because that's overkilled and passe. Uh, and clearly, as, we, as we'll talk about the ratings here in a few minutes, ain't drawing very much interest. Yeah, come on, a simple eye poke. You know, that's all you need. He poked people yeah. in the eye <laughs> and he talked a lot of shit. And there you go. Yeah. And that, that was it. That that started the, the craze. But, you know, what I always loved about Piper, and I never got a chance to ever personally meet him, uh, but when I first met John in 2002, he had just met Piper. And, John, it's one of those great stories where it's like you felt like he knew you your whole life, right? <laughs> it's like you, you're just shaking his hand and you guys thought you were old buddies. <laughs> legit i couldn't believe how nice he was that big of a star you figure okay they're gonna be you know a little bit quiet they're not gonna be as friendly my god he doesn't even sit down he stands up with everybody gives everybody a hug literally i'm like like oh my god like i guess i'm like really good friends with piper all of a sudden you know <laughs> just just meeting him how's the family happy thanksgiving like all this stuff and like he, he talked to everybody for like five minutes it's like wow does he forget that he's roddy piper and he just thinks he's just some <laughs> random dude right now talking to me at the, the bookstore i think he he honestly was so enamored with his fans just as much as we were enamored with him it was crazy yeah. it was like he's like one of the nicest guys ever yeah hey, that, that's Roddy to a t and you know the thing about it is you know you know for anybody of us that followed roddy you know we know his upbringing right you know and you know he was always and any time I'd ever spoken to him, he was in awe of the industry, uh, the fan base, the fact that he got to do that to make that living. Uh, he was in awe of that. You know, it wasn't like he took it for granted and can't have Roddy, Roddy Piper, get the fuck out of my way. That was not Roddy. Uh, Roddy was a 
blue collar as anybody had ever met and down to earth as anybody had ever met. And you know, that, that, uh, again, sorely missed in the industry, you know, it really, really is, uh, you know, not, I, I don't mean to imply that any, anybody in the industry is not a nice person where that's uh, just apples and oranges, you know, Roddy Piper to me was in a class of his own. And like I said before, a million times, we throw phrases like icon and legend around way, way too easily and way too cavalierly in this industry. Um, Roddy Piper was the real deal. You know, I mean, he, he was truly that. And I, and I think as, as time progresses, you know, they say history is the arbiter of what is good and what is crap. Uh, 30, 40, 50 years from now, people looking back are going to see this guy named Roddy Roddy Piper with this silly kilt on and, and, and going out and just mesmerizing everybody that he performed for. So, uh, sorely missed and, and gone way too soon. Oh, absolutely. That's the, uh, yeah. Understatement of the evening without a doubt. So let's kind of get into what we're going to talk about this evening. And we'll talk all about next weekend at the end of the show with the big TMPT con three coming up. Um, but you know, we, we teased it last week. We're going to get into some of the issues that have been going on, uh, some talent interruptions, some talents uh, that are starting to kind of buck the system and really speak their minds. Uh, some paying yeah. the price of basically being held hostage and others yeah. uh, kind of being publicly shamed. But you just touched on the ratings a couple minutes ago and the ratings from last week. Jeez, uh, I mean, when we were doing the show, like couldn't have been any more of a shockwave that was sent to see how far – the ratings drop from week to week to week. And now I didn't get to see anything for this week, so I don't know how far it's dropped again. But like I had said to you and what we were talking about, it's like when you've always said the year-to-year drop, the year-to-year drop, and we're losing this many fans, yeah. I don't think anybody could have imagined the fall it took over the last few weeks. Uh, but it's indicative to, I think, what we're going to talk about here with the talent. Would you agree? Absolutely. And I think including Vince McMahon, uh, clearly. I mean – you know, if, if you're running a business, let's say you run a hot dog stand on the corner. Uh, you're on the corner of Madison and Fifth, and you're, I don't know, those two connections, or I'm guessing they probably do in New York somewhere. You sell hot dogs. If suddenly your hot dog sales drop 11, 12, 13%, and then a few weeks from now they drop another 7, 8, 9%. My guess is you're going to probably add a few toppings, maybe add some burgers. Uh, you're going to try to shake things up to keep that business going. But <laughs> if you're a certain wrestling company out of Stanford, Connecticut, and you know, you're know you a publicly traded company, that, that's the part that put an asterisk next to that because I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, this is the part that perplexes me because when it was the family business, you can weather it. I mean, you got all the money in the bank, right? You're you're an incredibly wealthy person. It doesn't matter if the guys are starving on the road. Uh, uh, that's irrelevant as long as you've got your 27 homes and you know you've got the billions in the bank and all that. That doesn't matter. But now you're a publicly traded company. My question is: At what point do the Fox Televisions, the NBC Universal, the Merrill Lynch's, the Charles Schwab? The institutional investors, at what point do they start to look at this and say there's an issue? I mean, we've seen this this quixotic rise in, in the price of the stock, based largely, I think, uh, on those television contracts. 
but we just come out of WrestleMania. And I can tell you, as somebody's been around the business for a long, long time, since before the first WrestleMania, uh, that the post WrestleMania period is usually a huge jump for the for the WWE uh, because they just wrapped up all these storylines and they've launched new ones and. There's usually a, a bit of a kick of, and a bump coming out of WrestleMania. This year has been aberrant in that we have not only have we not seen the bump, but we've seen the exact opposite. The ratings have have fallen off the cliff. Uh, down, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I, I printed off some other things we'll talk about later. Uh, but I think 11.5%, and that was 7.7% below last week's and... 16.5% decline from the same time last year uh, and, and, and impacting both Raw and SmackDown. So it's clear the fans are now screaming. They're not talking. They're screaming with their remote controls. Uh, now let's just pay close attention and see if Vinny Mac pays attention. Does he change anything? Does he try to push the business back in a certain direction uh, or does he just keep riding this thing out because hey, that, that wild card thing really sort of uh, stimulated business, didn't it? The, uh, the wild card <laughs> announcement. Uh, yeah. Astounding, you know, and, and for the last thought, I, again, these are off the top of my head, 12, 13 years, every subsequent year, the ratings have been lower. And now imagine a year from now, if that holds true, if that standard holds true, uh, constant. That means we will be below 2 million viewers for Raw and 1.8 million viewers for SmackDown. And just throw it in there, just comparing apples to apples. When there were three companies in business, there was an average of 48 to 52 million fans watching professional wrestling in this country every week. Uh, now, I, I wish Vincent Mann were on this show, and we welcome him anytime he'd love to come on because we'd have this public debate. I would love to hear Vince's response to explain that away. Uh, I'm sure his investors would love to hear it. I, I know the fans would love to hear it and see it. Uh, or is he just too preoccupied with XFL? That's the question. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, is he preoccupied? Possibly. Uh, is he looking down the barrel of the fact that Fox wanted them to come with like a 3.5 or something like that? And Ooh, feeling yeah. – I mean, it's not even feeling the pressure. The thing about the investors' call that a lot of people have been talking about is that he was blaming injuries as to being a reason yeah. why the ratings were where they were and maybe live attendance isn't where it's supposed to be. But, I mean, let's not for nothing. Let's look back in history. Uh, guys get injured. All the time, right. when you're on the road, the and what are you going to do? You you have to be able to fill the spot. Uh, I mean, they're not you know uh, they're not the, the the champion sliding into the commentary spot while he's convalescing just to keep your you know keep yourself on television and, and keep the product fresh. They they're not doing stuff like that, so that's a scapegoat. But you know, we we spoke about it last week. Is it the eye of the tiger? Is this wild card thing so far out of left field? that it's grasping its straws to the point where, hey, look, you know, we're talking about these talents this week that are being held hostage. Where does yeah. the desperation kind of lie in the creative, the ratings, and now you have basically the, the inmates are wanting out of the asylum? Well, you know, in, in the wild, you know, I, I, at least I've read that 
predators can smell fear on their prey, right? Uh, you know, they, they, they know when uh, the, the kill's almost there because they can smell it. Uh, it it's beginning to reach that proportion, uh, at least from, from my uh, perch, from where I'm watching. Because, you know, as you see all these things overtly, publicly, the ratings plummet, uh, the, you know, the, the really bad reviews on WrestleMania, which is their, their penultimate show of each year. Um, you know, all the things we've seen going in that direction. But then you look behind the scenes and you see these things, you know, like the stuff that you guys have sent over about the, uh, uh, you know, the talent getting injured and then being, you know, sort of held hostage in their contract because if you took six months off for a surgery that you incurred injury in his ring, he's now going to extend your contract for an additional period uh, equal to what time you were off. Uh, let's, let me think here in the NFL. Uh, when Ben Roethlisberger had that accident years ago, riding a motorcycle without the helmet, I think he was off for a week or two or three, uh, did they add a week or two or three to his contract and say, well, that, you know, you did that stupid thing on the motorcycle, so now we're going to extend your contract. Uh, this, and, and, and we're going to bring this all full circle for anybody listening because, you know, we have all the data in front of us about independent contractorship. Uh, if any of these guys that are being held hostage to that don't send an attorney and challenge this uh, based on the independent contractor nomenclature, in and of itself, they're fools. Um, do not allow yourself to be uh, held hostage because, you know, if, if you were like a certain guy that I know, really handsome guy, really smart guy, uh, <laughs> blonde hair, blue eyes from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, that told somebody, a certain Irishman in Connecticut years ago to go pound salt. Uh, you know, if you know what you're talking about, if you know the industry you're in, learn all aspects of it. Uh, because that independent contractor stuff is the biggest pile of bullshit I've ever seen. And I got the data, stacks of paper sitting here in front of me from the IRS, from the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, and we'll go over it at some point uh, during today's episode. It does not apply. The question I have is, how is he getting away with this for this long? Yeah, and this is like I think the worst I've ever seen it with the the people wanting out of those contracts and them adding the time mod. Can you imagine that? Like, let's go back in the time portal and we're going to talk about what we meant with the torch talk last week, where we kind of pulled some of your quotes versus some of the things people are saying today. Um, but it, can you imagine if you went in there and they're like, "Nope, Shane, you know you uh, the, that last month that you had a broken back and we were trying to get you to go yeah. out and wrestle," you know? Yeah. Sorry, you, you you're you can sit at home now for a month. I can't imagine you not getting on the phone fast enough, dialing an attorney and getting the ball in motion. And that begs the question on the little list we got here. Are these guys not reading the contracts and are they just too eager to sign the WWE yes. contract to become a WWE superstar? Yes. And, and that's, that's the only catching point here. Tort law. And again, I'm no attorney, but I, I know quite a few, uh, Tort law is one of the most resolute sets of laws in the country. If you voluntarily sign up, you can prove someone put a gun to your head and made you sign something where well, that's a different story. Obviously, 
that's not the case. Uh, but I mean, but looking at it from the talent's perspective, you know, you've come up through the independence, uh, you've wrestled in, you know, some really crappy, tiny buildings across the country and slowly building a name for yourself. And now, the, finally, after years of you doing that, the NFL of our industry, the WWE, comes calling. And they put a contract down in front of you with a whole lot of numbers in it and a whole lot of big words and everything. And all you're thinking of is getting to walk through that, under that Titantron and out to that ring in front of those thousands of fans that they used to have <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and, and become enamored by it. Um, but, you know, word to the wise for anybody that gets that opportunity at any point from this point forward, make damn sure you take that contract to a damn good attorney, not Aaron R. Schwartz, you know, that's a, to, to look at it, take it to a damn good attorney because if you sign a contract and then later try to say, well, geez, I didn't know this and I didn't know that, and so I shouldn't be held accountable to it, and I, that would be my guess as to what's going on here as to the extensions of the contracts uh, when you've been injured, which is astounding. I mean, and, and from what I'm reading in these independent contract laws, nowhere near legal. But if you signed that contract, uh, ignorance of the law, as we all learned in seventh and eighth grade civics, and those of us used to have it, uh, ignorance of the law doesn't preclude you from following the law. You can't say, gee, I didn't see the speed limit sign, and so I should get a speeding ticket. If you voluntarily signed that contract and it had those words in it that he could do those things, then you're stuck, brother. You're, you're, you got a real problem. And now, as so many guys are finding out, you know, uh, the other part of this, I'm guessing, a lot of guys say, oh, sure, that's never going to happen. If I break my back, Vince McMahon's never going to make me wrestle an equivalent amount of time beyond that. I mean, that, that would be barbaric. Well, now you're meeting Vince McMahon that I know. And, uh, you know, it, it's stunning to me. But, again, I think there's a better way to fight this in the, in the court of public opinion. You know, you start taking these guys start going on, you know, the, to the, you know, calling up the Colbert's and those guys that seem to have such a knack to talk about professional wrestling, and you start making this public, and you start raising enough hell. I assure you, Vince Man will blink. He cannot afford right now to get any more of a black eye with a publicly traded company uh, to find out that he's mistreating his independent um, contractors. Uh, astounding. Just astounding. This would be a PR fight. I'd love to take on the There's, I can't remember the name of the the wrestler in question, but there was one guy was kind of pulled with that ninety day. You know, uh, once we were done with you, you know, you're you're sitting at home ninety days, and was just like, all right, well, you know, I gotta eat and I gotta make <laughs> make a living, so I'm gonna go wrestle. And if you want to take me to court, you know, take me to court and kind of challenge them on the ninety day clause. And I I just think that. You know, either a more people have to do stuff like that, or you know they got to read the contracts. But just kind of looking yeah. at, just kind of looking at that short list of guys that we we sent to you, you know, in the one article, it's like, you know, no offense, nothing against them. It's not like they're going to sit there and make Vince a mint sitting on the sidelines, or you know, if he does use it, we don't know that. Is he basically showing them, look, I'm going to treat you literally like a pawn? 
and I'm going to move you either into the game or out of the game, and out of the game is you sitting at home not making any kind of money, you know? Is this the ultimate game of chess for Vince? I mean, he's just going to treat yes. these guys like pieces of shit. Yes. Well, you know, let's, I mean, it's called brass tacks, right? I mean, there's another company called AEW starting up. And so there is a plausible second home. Uh, somebody where you, that will pay you uh, a fair sum of, of money. So it's not like I'm going to walk out on hundreds of thousands or more dollars to go make uh, you know 350 bucks a night. Suddenly there's an alternative, as there was at WCW. Uh, the telltale sign to me is all you have to do is look at history. You know what the old saying goes: "If you fail to learn history's lessons, are doomed to repeat its mistakes." So you look at when WCW started challenging, and then beat Vince for what was it, 93 weeks or whatever in the ratings. Uh, all of a sudden, Vince McMahon became the philanthropist. Discount contracts, everybody guaranteed money and all the rest of it. And as soon as WCW was bought out, those disappeared. So you could see that, you know, put all the bullshit, all the, you know, the window dressing off to the side. At, at the lowest common denominator, the, the, the most basic need in professional wrestling are wrestlers to go to the ring to perform. So you can have all the pyro and 27,000 cameras and all the rest of it. If you don't have two men, two women going to the ring and performing, you got shit, Vince. You got nothing. And so you can go and sell the WWE name all you want without wrestlers. It means nothing. You can go sell the lights and cameras and action and all that without wrestlers. It means nothing. And so the fact that he is so flippant now towards the talent, for any, again, young kid out there aspiring to one day work there, open your eyes and pay damn close attention because this is the real Vince McMahon. Uh, when you get into, the, into that <laughs> – the tacky Elvis Presley office of his, and he starts <laughs> telling you all these big fancy words and all these things he's gonna should have would have done. Uh, I can tell you from personal experience, that's gonna become a well, geez, that's where's that in your contract? Um, you, you know, it, it, it's astounding to me. You know, I, as you guys know, I've got great respect for all my brothers and sisters in the business. This is a damn tough industry. It's a damn tough industry to learn. And it's an even tougher industry to maintain and then survive in uh, because, you know, you're out on the road. Uh, you know, I don't know today how the, 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 the routine goes. Back in the day, we were on the road 340, 350 days plus per year. And, you know, no, not complaining. I went into that, and I love pretty much most every second of that. But you don't see your kid's first steps, hear his first words there to see him off to school the first day uh, uh steve steve you know uh dr Death, steve williams you know uh, famously or infamously had to miss his father's funeral because of demands on the road so this is a very tough industry and i think that my brothers and sisters that make that commitment and put all that other important stuff of life on the back burner to the to the uh career deserve to get treated a little more respectfully and a little more professionally on par with any other professional athlete in any other professional sport on the face of the planet. And until people push back, I can tell you Vince McMahon will never, ever, ever 
voluntarily do that. Uh, you know, I, I think it's time that we start asking, you know, some of the bigger, uh, like the Teamsters, for instance, asking them to come in and take a look uh, at these contracts and the setup of, of the work environment for the talent and ask them if they think this is copacetic. Uh, you know, the, 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 like I said, the IRS and, and the Pennsylvania laws, and like I alluded to you guys in the uh, email earlier today, uh, back years ago when I first looked at this stuff, uh, at that time I compared to all the close states, West Virginia, Ohio, New York, uh, and then some other states I was, you know, involved with at the time, Florida, uh, you know, and, and just in general, just looking at other states and seeing and pretty much the Pennsylvania law was fairly standard. Uh, there were some minor changes from Pennsylvania to some of the other states, but in, in general, at the time, I want to say there was like 21 or 23 criteria that you had to meet in Pennsylvania. So if, if Shane Douglas wanted to just tell Pennsylvania and the feds, uh, hey, I'm an independent contractor, and I'm going to file my taxes this way. I had to, to, to list, I think at that time in Pennsylvania, it was 21 or 23 criteria, and you had to meet all of them. 22 out of 23, if it was, I can't remember if it was 21 or 23, but one short of whatever number it was, and you were not an independent contractor and could not legally file your taxes as an independent contractor. So, uh, you know, again, it begs the question, how is he getting away with this? Who's he paying off? Uh, because stop to think about this for a second. Vince has owned the company now since, what, 84? Yeah. Uh, when he bought it. So we're talking 84 to 94 to 2004 to 2014. So we're, we're going 35, 36 years. Um, in that time, how many unemployment compensation uh, taxes, how much uh, uh, Social Security taxes uh, has he skipped out on paying? And then what would the penalty, you know, the IRS seems to have pretty heavy hand when it comes to penalties and interest. Uh, what would the penalties and interest then be to the company for having done that? Uh, you know, they're, they're, again, just based on the laws, the, the, the twenty, uh, the, the, the twenty questions ruled by the IRS, nowhere near does that even closely apply to a WWE professional wrestler or sports entertainer. You know, that email you sent us, I mean, my God, that was like, that was a crash course in contracts and uh, kind of understanding yeah. the laws. And I was going to ask you about, you know, whether or not that varied, you know, with the different state to state. Is it where the contract is signed? Is it where WWE is based out of for where they do their business? So I was going to mention all that. But what's funny is when I was reading about one of the bullet points you gave was like, you know, re talking about reimbursements and talking about travel yeah. booking, all that stuff. There's this guy on Twitter who's who somehow has gotten a tape of WWE bloopers and outtakes from 1985, 1986. So it's all, I mean, it's everybody. It's all the classics. It's Mean Gene in front of the WWF sure. logo, bringing the guys in. They're, you know, they're ribbing each other. They're, they're goofing off. But there's this one that came out of uh, Don Morocco on the beach. And you think he's doing one of his Fuji Vice segments, right? And he starts mm -hmm. kind of cutting a promo on Vince, talking about how he needs to be reimbursed for a flight. He needs to be reimbursed for a rental car. He needs to be reimbursed for all this stuff. And he's holding the receipts, and he goes, you know, for 800 fucking dollars, Vince. So I'm sitting there, and it's literally the timing of your email. 
is that the kind of thing he skated having to worry about that shit? And that's the thing I think right. is, is so interesting about the independent contractor debate is something as simple as a reimbursement. He kind of ducks, but he can kind of hold you hold you captive if he wants to uh, by extending your time due to injury. Yeah. I mean, again, it is based on the way he's interpreting, go figure. Uh, he's interpreting that as an independent contractor. I can treat you however I want to treat you because you signed the contract. Uh, but there are laws in this country. And, you know, and again, there's the court of public opinion. I cannot imagine that any institutional investor, and, and there are several that have invested heavily in WWE, I can't imagine that any of them would be thrilled to find out that you're basically punishing uh, these men and women for having been injured working under these very archaic rules of independent contractorship, uh, making Vince a lot of money, and then getting mistreated like this in the end. And for what? Because you're afraid they're going to go make a better living somewhere else? Well, based on the very definition of independent contractorship, if JP and Chad want to hire Shane Douglas's services, uh, and one wants to offer me a million dollars, the other wants to offer me a thousand dollars. That becomes my decision as the uh, under a real independent contractorship to say, well, you know what? Hey, I love you, Chad, but JP's going to pay me a million bucks, so I got to go. Uh, and once I go to work for JP under a real independent contractorship. JP can't tell me I can't now go take your thousand bucks and come work for you too. Uh, now, at any time I worked for WWE and I saved all my contracts, there was always a clause in the contract that said, you can work for anybody in the world you want. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Uh, you can work for anybody else in the world you want, except World Championship Wrestling, Extreme Championship Wrestling, New Japan Wrestling, All Japan Wrestling. Uh, there was like a list of six, seven, or eight different groups. As soon, my understanding from my attorneys is as soon as JP tells me, even though he's paying me more money, but I can't come to work for Chad, then that makes me an employee because a, a true independent contractor would decide when and where he works, uh, under what circumstances he would work. Uh, so, you know, I mean, on... On all of these, when I looked at that list of uh, that 20 questions rule by the IRS today, what struck me was it was even more resolute than the old laws that I looked at years ago uh, because almost none of these apply. And the ones that do apply only do so very, very, very esoterically. So, you know, again, I, I go back to the question I've asked previously twice. How is he getting away with this? Um, because <laughs> unless he's got Ray Charles <laughs> reading over these documents, uh, I don't see how in the world. And again, I say that as no attorney, but this seems to me pr- 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 to be pretty straightforward and pretty clear. Now, just a few things. Chad mentioned somebody had jumped the contract, and years ago, Raven actually jumped the contract and did not wait the 90 days. He immediately started with TNA and on pay-per-view and immediately jumped kind of and just did it. And I'm not sure the legal ramification. Obviously, nothing happened to him, and he was fine, but I don't know if he 
had some sort of contract where he just wrote himself that he wasn't going to use the 90 days because I know you, you get paid, I guess, a certain amount for those 90 days as part of your downside, and there's a lot more into it, but I just want to throw that out there. And also, Chad, you mentioned that Don Morocco thing. The guy's name on Twitter, if anybody wants to follow him, Richard Land, at Masked Wrestlers. And I really highly suggest you check that out. That's cool. I have actually missed that Morocco one. i got to check that one out. But now that that's out of the side, Shane, i got to play devil's advocate here. i got to go with Vince on this one. How could you pay all those guys travel expenses? Isn't that going to get too much money? Isn't that going to get a little crazy? He already does. Uh, your travel expenses, uh, when you, you uh, I, I, back in the day, this will say old I am, uh, you used to get a stack of tickets. And most of the guys, I still have mine, in fact, I would carry around a leather bank bag, uh, bag you know, zippered bank bag. Because they would give you, at the beginning of the month, they would give you your booking sheet. And on each booking sheet page, you know, your name was, or on each date, your name was highlighted which, where you were. And then they give you a great big stack of tickets, two, three inches high sometimes. And if you lost those tickets, it was on your own. And you had to pay for the ticket and get yourself there. Uh, so, uh, you know, now my understanding is that a lot of times, uh, even the hotel is being paid for. You know, the WWE will... Uh, you know, hire a hotel or, you know, buy so many rooms at a hotel and then divvy those out to the boys. So he's already paying those things. Um, you know, and again, getting back to the independent contract, the, the, the IRS 20 questions rule. Uh, that's one of the very delineating factors. You know, do you, as a true independent contractor, I would come to work for JP and JP would say, okay, I'm going to pay you a million dollars. And out of that million dollars, any expenses that I incur, whether it's I need new boots, new tights, I need to fly myself from Pittsburgh to wherever, I need to what, what, go to the doctor, any expenses that I would incur would then come out of that million dollars that you paid me. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it seems to me that Vince is getting the, the best of both worlds. I'll pay for whatever expenses I deem, and the other ones I won't, like Social Security and unemployment compensation and, uh, you know, under Obamacare, health care, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, it's uh, I, I don't know of any other case where the employer gets to decide what is an expense and what is not an expense and, you know, levy the rest on the uh, on the quote unquote independent contractor. Um, it's an all or nothing proposition. Uh, you're either an independent contractor or you're not. And, you know, if you, anybody can feel free to just type in their Google search engine, uh, IRS 20 question rule, and take a look at those and just imagine uh, from a professional wrestler's point of view, uh, which of those apply and which don't. Um, and, you know, there's no, uh, there's where the gray area comes in this. And, and this gets back in association with somebody voluntarily signing a contract where the gray area comes is there are four or five questions that are, you know, there's no, in other words, if you answer yes to every question or no to every question, you are or are not an independent contractor. It's sort of a, as applies to each case. And, uh, you know, at that point, it, I believe, uh, again, not being an attorney, but I would believe that it would boil down to, well, did you read this contract? Did your, did your attorney explain this contract to you and you still signed it? Uh, 
but again, nobody, you know, like I, under what I spoke about earlier, you know, the young kid finally getting his break to go into the to, to the major league, supposedly. Uh, looking over that contract, you can't imagine uh, like a, somebody as wealthy as Vince Mann saying, "Well, I'm not going to reimburse you for that rental car, or I'm not going to." take care of you if you get hurt or if you do get hurt i'm going to extend your contract out an equal amount of time just to just to pay you back for having the uh the indignity of getting hurt um i mean these are things that again I, you know again you have, you have legal uh you know you have legal by laws and on paper and then you have legal and really bad taste in the court of public opinion and i don't believe that most wrestling fans especially would look at this and find this very copacetic or be very sympathetic to Vince McMahon's point of view on this. Uh, and so I think ultimately that's where this has to be fought. Do you think that though some wrestlers are irresponsible and will try to get more money back and will try to, you know, bullshit some stuff and say, Oh, I got a rental car, even though they didn't need a rental car. Don't you think that always happens too, where it's like, okay, we can't have all these expenses and stuff coming in and out. And we can't really, you know, red flag everything. I mean, you'd, you'd need so many employees to just go over everyone's expenses. Don't you think some of the wrestlers may take advantage or have taken advantage? No no more so than in, the, in, in any other industry. Uh, human beings are human beings, right? So, yeah, people are going to take shortcuts if they can. Uh, the question, though, is ultimately not is somebody possibly going to play the corners uh, or is it should it be based on what the Internal Revenue Service and the state uh, departments of revenue decide is the definition of an independent contractor? Uh, you know, we see this going on right now with, with William Barr. What is the definition? You know, what is lawful and what is not lawful? Uh, you know, and, and so we, I, I, Troy Martin doesn't get to decide what the definition of independent contractor is. Uh, and, you know, then you get to decide something different and Chad, something different on top of those two. Uh, the law is the law. And, you know, when you read the law, to me, it's pretty clear. From somebody that understands this industry and has experienced this industry for quite a long time, I don't see those, most of those even loosely applying. Uh, you know, so you, you can't pass a law that says, we're going to pass a law that says uh, A, B, and C, but... If somebody does D, E, or F, then this is going to happen. If they do H, I, or J, then this is going to happen. You know, law can't be that nebulous. A law has to be black and white. And it has to be clear and clearly understandable. Uh, so, again, when I go back to this IRS 20 questions rule, uh, it seems pretty resolute to me. And I would be curious if anybody out there is a an accountant, uh, you know, a CPA, if anybody out there is, a, you know, a, a federal tax uh, expert, I would love to have them, you know, get get a hold of us and give us some input on this because I don't believe that that even loosely applies. But I would be curious to hear what the experts have to say. Playing devil's advocate again, what if you just don't sign the contract? You say to yourself, oh, this contract's not fair. It's like, okay. You know, on business part, okay, just don't sign it then. You don't think it's fair, then, you know, you can't work here. What about that aspect of it? Well, again, you know, you've been out there on the independence, and, you know, you've been working for – a lot of these guys work for nothing. 
uh, a handful make 15, 20, 30 bucks a night. Uh, and beyond that, the, the highly paid ones on the independent scenes will make a hundred, couple hundred. Uh, you know, so now you've got somebody throwing a contract in front of you that's got six figures in it, which sounds like somebody you're going to be wealthy and rich. Um, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, based on my understanding, again, I haven't dealt with them in a legal sense, a contractual sense in quite some time, but my old contract used to say that they would guarantee me 10 shots at 50 bucks per shot. So it was a $500 contract. Now, when I signed that, I didn't think in, in my wildest dreams, I'm ever going to make 500 bucks worth in WWE. Uh, you know, based largely on what Vince had said to me and my wife, uh, ex-wife, uh, in meetings, uh, throwing numbers around like 350 to 550,000 plus your quarterly merchandise checks. Uh, you know, so it's really easy to get lost and, and, and sucked up into that. You know, when you're working, you know, when you're coming from uh, the independent scene, you're used to making, you know, a couple thousand dollars a year working your ass off. And somebody puts something down like that in front of you. And again, it has letters WWE in front of it. Uh, everybody thinks, everybody listening to this right now thinks that everybody that works for the WWE is a multimillionaire. Everybody only has to work for a couple of years and they can retire for the rest of their lives. And you know, why do you think Roddy Piper was working up until the time he died? And he's one of the biggest stars in the history of our industry. Uh, you know, there have been a scant few that have made that incredible money. And then the rest that have, you know, going back to, to the, you know, the sighting of my interview from 20 plus years ago, uh, there were several things that stood out to me, Hey, how accurate they were. Um, and then I, I only know how to tell the truth because I, I don't want to try to remember 150 lies to cover the first lie. Um, uh, but you know, I, I can show anybody that's interested. I can show them the, I still have the, the pay stubs and can show and, and, and again, support everything that I said in those interviews. Uh, what did strike me was the one thing that really jumped out was how I, at that time, went out of my way to protect Arnold Skoland, uh, who, was, who came up to me in the interview and said, uh, that I had cited as saying, hey, kid, take care of your back. You're going to have to be doing the right thing. I never named him in the interview. And, you know, looking back, that would have been my way, I'm sure, of protecting him at that time so as not to get him heat. Um, but I, I remember like it was yesterday, you know, the way he looked up and down the hall and was, you know, like a, like a scared little rat uh, uh, sheep, you know, afraid that somebody might overhear what he's saying. And, like, to me, if I've got something to say to either one of you guys, I'll say it. I'm not going to look around to make sure that are listening. I can't say this too loud. I've got to be careful so nobody hears this. Uh, but it shows you, and I think it speaks volumes, about the, the work environment in the WWE. Uh, you know, that people would be that scared and nervous over commenting, a personal comment to somebody. Uh, astounding still astounds me to this day reading that interview and remembering so vividly that conversation. 
Now, at this point, though, obviously, the WBF, and we're talking about independent contracts, this and that. At this point, WBF, I believe you said you were getting paid more on the independents in ECW than you made in the WBF. Is that true? Right? Isn't, isn't that what you said? Yeah, by far. And, and, and again, I, I, I remember these numbers from the day I died. Uh, uh, when I, the, how that came up initially was I called home from the road one day, and our mortgage payment at the time was $496. And I called home one day, and my ex-wife, who rarely swore and almost never used the F word, said, where the fuck is all of our money? And I said, well, you're the one that's been giving the checks. I was on the road 28 days a month starting in the semi-main event uh, position, you know, the second most important match, quote-unquote, on the card. And uh, she said, well, they haven't been very good. I said, what's not very good? And I heard her fumbling. She went, I, you know, she'd walk back to the office, and I could hear her on the phone uh, fumbling through papers, and she said, 1,400. I said, no, no, Carl, all of them together. And she said, that is all of them together. That was four months of pay stubs for 1,400 bucks. Now, like I said in the interview, uh, I would take two draws per week. I would take one, a $200 draw at the beginning of the week and a $200 draw at the end of the week, and I'd usually come home with most of that in my pocket because I didn't go out and party and you know spend lavishly on the road. Uh, so you added another 6,400 for those four months, you know, uh, 1,600 per month times four, the 6,400, and you come to $7,800, which is what I was paid. And again, I have a pay stub to prove it. I just, in fact, had just seen those recently for another reason. Uh, and now put that into context. I was wrestling in the semi main event spot on the WWF after being told that I would make a minimum of three hundred and fifty to five hundred and fifty thousand dollars per year in salary plus my merchandise checks. Uh, so somewhere along the line somebody dropped a few zeros somewhere. Uh, because uh, all told I think after I quit, after I put up my notice, I, I can't remember the exact number that I'd have to look them up. But I want to say it was either twenty two or twenty seven thousand I made for the seven months that I was there. Again, working in the semi-main event position. Um, you know, so, you know, again, all of this is part of the same conversation. You know, so, you know, we were talking about Leo and uh, last week and, and, you know, things that he had said. And I apologize. I had, you know, I was talking in reference to last week's episode, the, my understanding of what, I, I hadn't read any of the links. Uh, that uh, the pushback against, uh, you know, a vet asking him to do something. Um, but, you know, today having read the links in depth and seeing about, you know, it's more about carrying bags and things like that. I had that exact same conversation back then with uh, just incredible PJ out of Montoya. Uh, you know, he said, well, they're my friends. You know, I, I, I saw Monday carry every bag and I said, what are you doing? He said, well, they're my friends. And I said, Peach, a friend wouldn't ask you to carry their bags. And, uh, you know, so in, in that sense, I can believe something with Leo. You know, again, I got, I don't understand. I don't watch their show. Uh, I try every couple months, I'll tune in and within 15, 20 minutes, I'm ready to put my foot to the TV and I can't stand what I'm watching. And how many times have you heard me say, I'm not blaming the kids. The kids are doing exactly what they're being told to do, which again gets back to the IRS 20 rules list. Uh, uh, 
you're given very strict this, uh, direction on what you will do in that match. Uh, from my understanding of, of talking to the guys today, you know, the agents will tell them, well, don't do that. Instead of that, do this. And, you know, pretty much lays the match out for them. So as a representative of the company, you know, they are clearly directing uh, the talent what to do in the ring. Now, let's look at the flip side. Let's say the talent says, fuck you. I'm not doing that. I'm going to go out and do whatever the hell I want to do in the ring. How many of us here in this conversation or listening believe that that talent would be working at WWE very long? Uh, so, again, back to the IRS 20, uh, 20 questions rule, uh, you know, are you given direction by the company? Very strict direction to the point of being told what words to say on camera. So, again, I screamed the question, how is he getting away with paying people as independent contractors? It is a slippery slope, that's for sure. And, and it's interesting with Leo Rush, we talked about last week, and we're talking about a little now. Are you surprised that nothing has changed in the last basically 20, 30 years? Like nothing's just Not changed at all. at all? Not at all. Why would it? You know, you have an endless – look at it from Vince's point of view. I have an endless supply of young talent. So if a Roddy Piper, a Ric Flair, a Joe Blow comes and says, fuck you, I'm not doing that. Okay, well, we'll push you out the back door and we'll go and take this other kid. And Vince is thinking, we'll build him into a star. And for a long time that worked because you had two or three generations of wrestlers that had been brought up under the old regime. Uh, like Shawn Michaels, for instance. Uh, everybody knows my personal feelings for the guy, but he's an incredible in-ring performer. Why? He was brought up under the old regime. Um, uh, the generation right previous to his and my generation, the Bret Hart's and the Kurt Hennig's, most of them were second, third generationers uh, that were brought up under the old regime. And the original uh, WWF uh, uh, cadre of talent, you know, Jake Roberts and, and uh, Roddy Pipers and Hulk Hogan's, those guys uh, were brought up under the old regime. With each subsequent year, you can go back and look at interviews I did in TNA back in 2005, 6, and 7, saying with each subsequent generation, they know less, and in, in a very short amount of time, this will become a lost art. And we've now reached that point where we're seeing kids going out and being directed to do this move and that move and this move and that move and then this finish and say these words that I've written for them on a teleprompter. And we're wondering why, uh, not, not me, I, I know the answer, but fans are wondering or the industry is wondering what's happened to the industry, how the bottom dropped out like this. Why are the ratings where they are? Why is the house show attendance what they are? Uh, why are we not seeing those kind of matches we used to see uh, like, say, a, a Bret Hart versus a Stone Cold Steve Austin or, you know, Jake Roberts versus anybody or Roddy Piper versus anybody. Uh, the reason being those towns today and then were brought up under very different regimes. Uh, one was forced to learn their craft, and the others have sort of mimicked the craft. And, uh, you know, so it's just, you know, it's... It, Ultimately, the fans have to ask themselves, what is the flavor that they want? Is the flavor that they want what they're seeing right now? And I, I think the ratings are pretty much giving us that answer. 
uh, or is it that they want to see something that resembles what the industry used to be when, when, when it had those massive numbers I always talk about? Uh, and, I, and I think, you know, it, it doesn't take a Albert Einstein to figure that out. Uh, it's, it's pretty clear. And uh, the one thing we haven't seen in all these different incarnations over the years, the Ring of Honors and the ECWs and the TNAs and, you know, all these other upstarts that have come up, some like ECW had moderate success, you know, and then, you know, made a pretty good dent. Others like TNA spent half a billion dollars and made no dent at all uh, and go back and look at the products. And I think you can see why, uh, you know, one sort of mimic on steroids, what the industry used to be, that was ECW in my humble opinion. Uh, others like TNA, after my first conversation with Dixie imploring her, to not attempt to be WWF2 or WWF Junior or WWF Light, uh, went out from that point forward and became a D-grade cheeseburger version of WWE. And with all due respect to anybody, uh, you're never going to out Vince McMahon at being Vince McMahon. So let him be the sports entertainment. I mean, look what's happening to his numbers now. Uh, but the fans are clamoring for the Uncola, the different product, and nobody is giving it to them. Let's see what AEW does, you know, because I, I think they have, a, as I've mentioned multiple times on this program, uh, they have an incredible opportunity. Uh, but it, it, they, they're at the driver's seat right now. You know, if they go out and try to mimic, like I told Dixie, uh, if they go out and try to mimic WWE or try to be like the next version of sports entertainment, I'm going to go on record and say they will fail miserably. But I saw something today uh, from Tony Khan talking about looking like the business 20 years ago. And that is the ding, 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 give that man a cigar. That is the right way to go. And if they do go that way and they follow through on that, I think a year, year and a half, two years from now, the industry is going to look vastly different than it looks today. Life sucks, and then you die. I don't know if you could hear that. <laughs> I tried to play a Vince quote for you to send us off uh, in a nice, uh, <laughs> in a nice fashion. Life sucks, and then you die, Shane. That's what Vince has to say about all this, uh, this crazy stuff that we've been talking about. But I got to ask one question here. Have you ever seen the movie The Other Guys? The Other Guys. With Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg? Oh, yeah, yes, yes. Uh, so there's a scene where they're trying to uh, kind of uh, infiltrate one of the uh, – you know, one of the extortion rings going on, and they keep having to go back to the same guy over and over. And it reminds me of the quote that you have about your meeting with Vince where you and your ex-wife were uh, being lavishly – uh, awarded such things as Broadway tickets and chocolate-covered strawberries and all these fine things. Yeah. It reminds me of the scene in The Other Guys where they keep going back to the guy who's kind of giving them the runaround, and every time they go for answers, they get bro they get Broadway tickets, or they get Nick tickets, or they get yeah. this. Reminds me yeah. of the same thing. I could see that, like, you being like, I'm not sure I want to sign this. And then they go, how about some chocolate-covered strawberries? And you go, yeah. all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the ex-wife bit, bit big time, you know, so it was uh... – yeah, it was uh, a bad <laughs> chapter in my life. You know, I, I still maintain on record that uh, 
two sides of the same coin. A, I am incredibly proud of the career that I've carved out. Uh, it hasn't been the easiest path, but uh, I didn't become irrelevant when I told Vince to kiss my ass. Uh, I was able to still maintain and build a, a, a career post WWF. Um, and the fact that I've never been on a WrestleMania, you know, in this industry, think about that from somebody from my from my generation. Uh, that was the bellwether, right? You know, well, you were the main event or the semi-main event on WrestleMania. The fact that I've never been uh, is something I'm most proud of, that I've been able to do that without having it. Because the reason is to do those things, to have been able to be on WrestleMania, at some point, Vince would have literally or figuratively expected me to kiss his ass. And there's just something in my DNA that says no to that. Any more than uh, the same DNA says I'm never going to ask somebody else to kiss my ass. Uh, to me, a professional respect is you pay me. I come and work my ass off for you. And we're even. Uh, you know, and, and yet we're seeing with all these stories we've talked about, uh, whether it's Leo Rush or what I said a long time ago, uh, or, you know, wrestlers being held to account for having the audacity of having gotten injured, uh, one with a broken jaw and his wired mouth wired shut, and uh, another having had to have surgery on his wrist, uh, you know, to, to have the audacity as if they planned to go out and get hurt just to screw old Vince. Uh, I, I can honestly say I never met a wrestler in this industry that desired to be on the sidelines and nursing an injury just so they wouldn't have to go out and wrestle. Uh, every one of us desires to be in front of an audience and going out there and hopefully having that fabled five-star match. Uh, so to punish these guys, these men and women, for having the audacity to have gotten injured, working in his rings, to me is astounding, and I don't think that is a thing that Vince Mann wants to fight on the public stage. Uh, so, anybody out there listening that, that's getting threatened with that, go public. Go public. <laughs> go public, because he loses on that one every time. Yeah, now you're exactly right, and let's see uh, who steps up to the plate next. Well, you mentioned you want Vince to kiss, or you said Vince could kiss your ass, but uh, we want to implore people to come down and kiss your ass in the figurative sense next week as we all get down there in Richmond, Virginia, finally, as TMPT Con 3 yes. finally, finally, finally comes after all the months of discussion, the buildup, all the great stuff. Finally, next weekend, May 18th in Richmond, Virginia, TMPT Con 3, the 35th anniversary of the Midnight Express and Jim Cornette featuring an extreme reunion of ECW World Champions as well as the first ever pairing of Francine and the franchise in Richmond, Virginia. The ECW champions also to include Jerry Lynn, the Sandman, and Just Incredible. Shane, it's going to be a hell of a day. We're finally, finally, finally getting to approach the the, the, the coming around third base stage of the promotion. So if you haven't made your plans to join us, get over to tmptofwrestling.com. And after you're done checking out all the Triple Threat podcasts, YouTube links and download links, mosey on over to the ticket side 
and get your butts over to Brown Paper Tickets where you can reserve your spots to come join us at TMPTCon3. It's going to be a hell of a weekend, Shane. Looking forward to it. Finally here after all these months. And uh, can't wait to uh, to finally uh, be inside the Holiday Inn next week. I look, I, I'm really excited about it because uh, I get to hang out with Francine. And like I told everybody from, from last weekend, we had an incredibly fun time on the road. Uh, just reliving, you know, just the old stories and you know, picking up where we left off all those years ago. But for me, uh, again, like I talked about Roddy Piper earlier, uh, getting the chance to, to be around Dennis Condry and Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane and Jim Cornette, uh, man, that takes me right back to being a snot-nosed, greenhorn kid in the dressing room uh, and just in awe of watching those guys on a night-to-night basis. Uh, all of them great guys, and, and I can't wait to see them all. You know, we see them, we always run into each other sporadically throughout the years, here and there, that kind of thing, but to have all of them in one place at one time, I think it's, a, you know, like you said, for the 35th anniversary, uh, that's a pretty iconic piece of wrestling history, and I hope the fans realize that. I'm sure the fans of Richmond will because Richmond fans are pretty well-versed in the industry, and I think they're going to see a hell of a line for Dennis and Bobby and Stan and Jim. Uh, and just two things. When, when you see Jim, just ask him if he's going to vote for Trump. <laughs> and then ask him <laughs> and don't tell him Shane told you to say that <laughs> and then ask him how much he loves flying because I've never seen a grown man so afraid to fly as Jim Cornette <laughs> he, he's terrified of it but yeah it's going to be a lot of fun looking forward to it I've been for, for quite a while like, like you said we've been talking about it for, for a long long time uh, for many episodes here on, on, on the, the, the Triple Threat uh, podcast so that it's going to finally be here next weekend, bring this whole thing full circle. We're going to have a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, and get on to Twitter if you can and check out uh, the Heroes and Legends crew are putting together a really cool event. They've got some details that they're finalizing here. They uh, they posted a, uh, a poster for everything. So head on over to Twitter and get all the information on a, a very unique event the night before featuring Shane and Francine. And it's uh, it's going to be... Quite the weekend. We just can't wait to get everybody down there and really uh, do it upright, do it up nice, and um, just have a, a grand old time. So, Shane, I mean, that's next weekend. What do you got going on in the world of the franchise this weekend? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it easy this weekend and swing down to uh, to uh, Danny the Dinosaur Moose's uh, house this weekend and uh, go catch a couple shows. And uh, it's sort of like my weekend off between now and November. So... I'm going to take it, take it and have fun. And then my son graduates. I uh, guess uh, God, I can, uh, those words coming out of my mouth just like made my brain flip in my head. Uh, but my oldest son graduates from school in a few weeks. And I still haven't come to terms with that. Like, I'm, <laughs> and that ain't cool to me at all. So uh, next several weeks going to be a lot of big stuff going on. And then after that, uh, uh, you've heard me talk about my attorney, my roommate from school, his son, who is the Army Ranger, uh, is getting married. Uh, unfortunately, I have to miss the wedding because I'll be at the uh, uh, the AEW show in Las Vegas. Uh, but, uh, you know, looking forward. And then a few weeks after that, his sister gets married. So, I mean, it's a you know, really busy uh, week, uh, 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 set of months coming up, but 
uh, like all things, like, like like pressure of trying to keep up with it all, and uh, excited to see all of it. It's just an incredible period of time, and as you see all these kids growing up and graduating and getting married and all this crazy stuff, it's wild. It really is crazy. The, all the kids grow up, but uh, Vince McMahon stays the same. So I guess it's all relative, right? Everybody kind of uh, go, <laughs> everybody yeah, kind of goes about I'm it sure. the wrong way. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm still the idiot 15-year-old that I was when I was uh, 15 years old. <laughs> so at some point, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to, I'm going to, one day I'm going to wake up and say, you know what, it's time to grow up and I'm going to like actually grow up and and uh, become an adult. Uh, but until then, fuck it, I'm having fun. <laughs> Very nice. And if you want to get in touch with any of us, please hit us up on Twitter at the franchise SD at Two Man Power Trip, at Wrestling Pal, or the show at the three threat pod. So, uh, yeah, that's about enough out of us. It was a fun 92. Let's see what, what it brings for 93. God knows it's, uh, it's going to be a big week. So let's see uh, what we got in the old think tank here. And we'll, uh, we'll catch your ass next week. Shane, let's hand it over to you. Take us out in the only way the franchise can. Hey, it's time to cut the fucking music. The franchise is giving you a homework assignment. Get on the goddamn computer right now and Google in IRS. 20 questions rolling. See if you think independent contractorship applies to WWE wrestlers. And if not, let old Vinnie Mac know. Let the world know. Fight back, guys. And women, don't take the bullshit from a certain Irishman. And on that, I'll say, get your ass to episode 93 next week and TMPTCon 3 or get your ass franchised. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.